It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show, Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now. That's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show. Thrilled to have you here as we continue on. We're brought to you by Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. When was the last time you were inside Virgin? Their sports book is up to date. The restaurants and pool season is open. Now, let's have a prayer for pool season, Damon. we got to get everyone who works outside and sells those $14 bottles of Tito's for $700. they got to get out to work, man. got to get some tips going here. We need all of those men and women to get out to the pools and swim up to you at the blackjack tables and make sure you get a $2,000 bottle of tequila that costs them 81 bucks if they're lucky. I mean, how do we stay in business in Vegas if we're not upcharging alcohol at pool parties? So we need to get the pool workers out there because they don't work long, man. I got to do this show all year. Pool party people, they only work like three or four months at the pool, and they work hard. So uh, Virgin's opening up. They're pooled. Uh, they got a couple of them there, which are fantastic. And the restaurants, one steakhouse is where you'll see me often because my buddies run the joint, Michael Morton, the great John O'Donnell. And uh, I'm always there hanging out there. Great place to hook up with your buddies before or after a game. We're talking about the Raiders' offense today. They added DeAndre Carter, who's the punt return specialist, the special team standout, and wide receiver over from the Chargers. So he comes over from the Chargers, and he joins the depth of Cam Sims. You look at the names that are here, Keelan Cole, Philip Dorsett, Hunter Renfro, Jacoby Myers, the great Devontae Adams. So I think the room's full. I think they're pretty much full unless something crazy happens and they trade two of them for DeAndre Hopkins or do something like that, which I'm not saying they're going to do, but you never know. So the offense, they're not going to add another running back. I don't think they're going to add anything up the receiver position. We just talked to Bill Williamson from SB Nation about what they could potentially do with tight end. A lot of fans want tight ends in the draft. Just be careful what you wish for. When you take a tight end, you're not taking a defensive player. So the problem is I'm all in on the defense, so it's going to be hard for me to sit there, at least with my own opinions, which I'm allowed to have, to say, all right, best available is a tight end or a defensive tackle. I'm going defensive tackle. Best player available is a tight end or a right guard. I'm going right guard. Best player available is a corner or a tight end. I'm, I'm going with the corner. I want to see the Raiders get really good on defense quickly, and I think they'll be able to do that. I really do believe they'll have a chance to do what Seattle and Kansas City did last year, what Jacksonville's been doing. Have a big-time draft where you know there's going to be four or five players that came in that aren't a can't-miss, but you're pretty sure under Dave Ziegler's guidance and all the work they did that they're going to come in and contribute quickly. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I want to see happen. I don't know if it's going to happen. I don't have a crystal ball, but I'm hoping that's the plan because the offense to me is pretty good. I think that Jimmy G... 
he's working out here in the offseason. He's got to be pretty happy if he calls his receivers together the way Derek Carr did and said, let's meet at the park in Henderson and throw the ball around. God, he's got some good, good assets there at the wide receiver position. We know that O.J. Howard can play. We know that Austin Hooper can play. We know that. We've seen him play and be successful in this league. Are they top-tier tight ends? No, but they're serviceable to the point where if you want to bring in a young one to do that, that'll be a good tight end room. And then on the defensive side, they added Marcus Epps, who's a starter, Robert Spillane at linebacker, who is a starter. And then they got to get a lot out of some of these other players. they got to play at a higher level. What's going to happen to Divine Diablo, Luke Masterson, Nate Hobbs? Um, again, Faison comes back. Read a column today that they expect him to be a starter. Well, then, yeah, why'd they bring Faison back? Why would you bring Faison back, Damon, for, for a backup? There's plenty of backups. All looks, all accounts to me, seems like he's going to compete for a starting spot there at one of the corners there because it doesn't look like Rocky Sin's coming back. I figure he should, he should compete for a starting spot mm-hmm. because when he was here in his last stint with the Raiders, I know he only got picked up midway through the season, yeah. but I thought he did well in the time that he had with the team. Yeah, I thought he did well. I don't think he's a great player. I think he did well, but they they saw something on tape. They saw something with him that said, we can't afford not to have him back. So he's got to feel pretty good about that. And then David Long Jr. from here in Vinny will ask Vinny about him tomorrow, the former Ram and what he'll be able to do. Duke Shelley and some of the other players, Sam Webb, the development of Tyler Hall, the depth. And Jordan Willis comes in to be an edge rusher like Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. They might be interested in another edge rusher because Chandler Jones hasn't panned out. The good news for Chandler is I think that Chandler's offseason after what he did this year and he came on stronger at the end, I think the rest and the production of him and what he's going to do next year and the fact that he has a chip on his shoulder and he didn't play great, I think you're going to get one more good year out of Chandler Jones to solidify his Hall of Fame induction. He's had a Hall of Fame career. He has. Put up unbelievable numbers. He's not finished yet. He's got to have a better year than last year, and I'm counting on that. John Jenkins, depth at the position, the development of Matthew Butler, Bilal Nichols, Neil Farrell. And then they brought back Jerry Tillery, who who made one of the biggest mistakes last year you could in an individual game, and they thought enough to bring him back. Everybody they bring back now in draft is on them because a lot of the draft picks before Dave Ziegler got here were disasters, were disastrous picks. So the Raiders can't have one disaster pick. And Bill Williamson just said, with all the picks that they have late in the draft, I don't care about the 11th or 12th pick, but Dave does. Dave looks to find a diamond in the rough. And I believe that he's going to use a 10th pick, 11th pick, the 12th pick that he has, maybe to trade up and get back into the third round. Who knows? If they got to trade a number two for next year to move up into the first round this year, go for it. Get the players that best fit and give Patrick Graham an opportunity. The one clue... The one clue that the Raiders have given us all throughout since they've got here is they want faster, smarter, and more explosive players. So those draft picks on defense that they introduced to us are going to be faster, smarter, and more explosive because that's exactly what they're looking for. And they've got to kill it. They've got to nail it, and I think they'll be able to do that. Open lines at 702-365-9200. Raider text in Virginia. Start us off. Thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Hey, thank you for taking my call, JT. This is thank my first time calling in. I've been listening for years. Thank you. Yeah, man. I'll, I want to call the office, say the office is an A, but I'm going to give it a solid B. Just hmm. depends on how that offensive line regroups this year and comes up. 
But I think they're going to get better, and they're going to get better places, pieces in there this year at the draft to, to make them better. You know what I'm saying? So I'm having optimism that the, this is the first time, actually, that all organizations are actually taking pride in collecting picks and saving them. For years, we gave away picks for free agents or whatever we did, and we never drafted players and developed them. We always brought somebody else's rejects in or somebody else's free agents in to build a team up. So this is the first time we have to give it time because we've never really actually put focus on this. Yeah, I think don't, you, you believe in the focus that Dave Ziegler's staff is going to put into this, right? You're buying into the focus and how specific they're going to be in this draft. Even though they say best available player, they're looking for certain types of players that are going to fit this organization going forward in their mold. Some call it the Patriot way. They're calling it the Raider way now. But I know they've had a track record with this, and I'm really excited to see what they can do. Absolutely. You know, and we've, I mean, just, we have to give it a chance. We haven't, what we've done before hasn't worked. And yeah. that's the definition of insanity. You keep doing the same thing, expecting different results, but it's not working. But we have to get it, we have to give them a chance. We don't have any options. Yeah. We, we, Outside of that, we're, we're stuck. Yeah, I don't think it's as bleak as people are making out. I really don't. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. And I'm not saying, look, bleak to me, bleak to me is anything other under seven or eight wins. That's bleak because I'm looking for double-digit wins. And I think this offense, I don't, I'm not saying that the Raiders are going to have double-digit wins, but i got to look at the defense in the draft and what's going to happen, too, if they bring in other players on cutdowns. But the offense, to me, is a 10 or 11-win offense, just like it was last year with Derek. Last year, the offense was 10 or 11 wins. Just the offense alone, that's what we're specializing today on Raider Nation Radio. We're saying if this offense has an opportunity to perform and everyone stays healthy, this should be a top 10 offense that should give the Raiders a chance to win every game. The only way a Raider fan should think today that they're not going to win games, say you think the Raiders are going to win four or five games. I'm seeing a lot of that on podcasts and you know, the internet and, and Twitter. Say you think doom and gloom, the Raiders are only going to win four and five. It's not going to be because of the offense. Right? The offense can go up against anybody. They can go down the field, give the ball to Jimmy G, going up against the Jets, Daniel Jones and the Giants, Green Bay with Jordan Love, not Aaron Rodgers. You look at the Green Bay Packers with this loaded Raider offense, or very good offense, going up against the Packers without Aaron Rodgers. I would hope Jimmy G would win that game. He's beaten Aaron Rodgers and better Packer teams. So I'm thinking they can go toe-to-toe with everybody because of this offense and this head coach being the play caller, which we didn't get to see him play call at his best last year. I didn't think it was his best work. I don't think he had the right quarterback for that in his mind, even though Derek's a pretty good player. Now, throw that all out. He's got his guy, the guy he developed. The offense should look vastly different and more aggressive, and it should be cleaned up with efficiency, the speed of the offense, getting the play in and out, uh, not working the clock down, which drives me crazy, to under three seconds. All of that should get cleaned up dramatically this offseason, and the head coach has got to do that because he's the offensive play caller. Very important that he has a big year in calling the plays like he has in the past. You know, most of the years Josh McDaniels has called plays in this league. It's been very successful. But the problem is Raider fans don't see it that way. They just say it's, it wasn't Josh McDaniels. It was just Tom Brady. That's the ignorance I'm dealing with. If some fans of the Raiders would at least give McDaniels credit for his six Super Bowl rings and the success he had play calling, audibling as a pure play caller, thinking he can do it here, 
then we could meet halfway. If you just thought he forgot how to do that and he can't do that anymore, that's one thing. If you want to criticize the head coach because you don't think he coaches the defense well, he doesn't handle the whole team correctly, this or that, I'm fair with that. I'm all, you know, that's what I do for a living. I talk to people about deficiencies and ceilings and what, what could happen. But if you can't acknowledge that he's had a whole life and career a call in great plays most of the time and give him some part of the credit, then you're never going to agree to anything with him. You're just never going to. And fine, live in the world of Twitter. But if you're living in the world of going to the games, you know, calling into radio shows, being fair and analyzing all this, I would look at him this year by saying, you know, he's got the quarterback he's comfortable with. He might get another one to develop. He's got a pretty good offense, and they got to do everything to build the defense. Let's hope the offensive play caller has a great year. Even his biggest detractors, Damon, even his biggest detractors should say, I hope our head coach has a really good year with the headset call and plays with Jimmy G. How could you claim to be a Raider fan if you're not even going to do that? Even if you don't like him. Even if you don't like him, and there's plenty who don't. At least to say, if you're putting on a Raider hat, Raider gear, you got a podcast, you're sitting there going, you know, I want to win games. I want my tickets to go up in value. I want to have fun. I want to tailgate in the black hole. I hope the quarterback and the head coach play call will have a good year. Exactly. For me, I th- you know, we all use the phrase innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. I feel like some fans want him to be guilty of being a failure as a head coach and move on to the next cycle already without giving him a fair shake where you bring in your guys because why would you? Let's say if it didn't work out, if he kept Carr and then it doesn't work out in three years, he gets fired and he says, yeah, but it would have been different if I had my guys. So let's give him that opportunity to bring in his guys and do it his way with him and Dave Ziegler. Because for me, with Jimmy G, him being comfortable in the offense, him knowing the offense better, I think we're going to see more play action this year with Jimmy G because that's something that he's more comfortable with. And that'll set up Josh Jacobs as well, you know, establishing the run. So I do think that there are going to be some things better about this offense that people just have to wait and see. It's coming, you know, but just have a little patience. Well, it has to. It has to be better because he wanted his guy and he got him. And the guy that he's going to turn the football over to all week in preparation and practice, there's going to be no excuses on game day. None. And there were excuses with Derek. Derek sometimes did not play well. Derek had the playbook. Derek did not execute the playbook at times. And I don't think Josh McDaniels gave Derek the freedom at the end. He benched him at the end because it just wasn't going to work. And that's unfortunate because it's worked with Derek with other coaches and coordinators. It didn't work this time. Everybody's to blame on the failure of only winning six games. Now we're talking about it, the offense exclusively today. The offense has got to be ramped up significantly. We can't come after a game. If the Raiders lose a game 31-24 to 24 and say, well, what happened? Why wasn't this throw made? What happened there? This guy was open. How did you not see him? There was a built-in excuse last year. The play caller and head coach and the quarterback were not always on the same page. That's fair. He removed the quarterback from the organization to get his guy and possibly develop someone behind him. They have to execute the offense much more efficient. And that's the hope. That's why I'm doing this show today. If I didn't believe that at all, if they didn't have Jimmy Garoppolo, and I was sitting here today with Jacoby Brissett, or I was sitting here with the first-round pick and nobody else is going to take him two years to develop, that's what you call uphill sledding. This, to me, is not hard radio. I can get behind Jimmy G. I just got to hope he stays healthy, and I'm doing that. Uh, John's in Salt Lake. Always good to hear from you. John, you're up next. Go ahead. 
Thanks for taking my call, JT. You know, I'm not going to give it a grade, but I'm going to say without question, this is a playoff caliber offense. Mm -hmm. I think Jimmy G is an upgrade from Derek because I think he plays the position of better than Derek does. I think he reads coverages better. He goes through his progressions better. And I really think his pocket presence is even better. So I think that's an upgrade. There's receiver room without question is upgraded with Jacoby Myers beyond this Carter guy and uh, Philip Dorsett. They've got speed now on the outside. they got guys that are more athletic. I mean, I like Matt Collins, but I think this is definitely an upgrade. The tight end room, I don't think you might not have the athletic freak that Derek Waller is, but I think both of those guys, Austin Hooper and O.J. Howard, can play the position just as good. So I think without question, especially when you look at the AFC West, I take this offense over San Diego's. I mean, the Chargers, Mm -hmm. and I would take it over Denver's. So I think that this offense, there's no question it's it's a playoff caliber offense. And I think one of the, you know, know, signings that was kind of under the radar was Jermaine Illuminor. When you look at what they got him for, and then you go look at what Denver paid for a couple of linemen who I think they overpaid that were average, Mm -hmm. I think this offensive line has a chance to really be solid. So from an offensive standpoint, no, I I think this is a playoff caliber offense. If they can add a few defensive pieces in the draft, because I think Mm -hmm. in free agency, they got a lot of low risk, high reward guys that I think can really help this defense improve. JT, I think people need to stop being so bleak because I'm actually really encouraged by what I see. And I, I'm not going to be surprised if he makes playoffs. But anyway, thanks for taking my call. Yeah, I, I'm happy you said that. And again, just because we agree, I don't expect everybody to agree. I think this is a playoff quality offense. I do. I, but I did last year. I did last year, and they had five double-digit leads. Five. And if they would have won three of those fives or four out of five or all five of them, we know where the Raiders would be. They didn't. They lost all five, 0 for 5, with double-digit leads in the second half. That won't happen again. And I think it won't happen again because I think the offense will stay on the field longer and be more efficient. The defense, no matter who they bring in, and they're going to bring in some good players, the defense still is going to be improved, I believe, in the second year under Patrick Graham, but it's not going to be a great defense. And I would agree with you on the offensive line. I think the ceiling for the offensive line is to be solid. Unfortunately, not great. I think Colt Miller can be great, and maybe they can draft a player eventually that could be very good. But the offensive line, to me, I'd just be comfortable with rock solid. This offensive line in the offseason should all get T-shirts and say, led the league in rushing. And they should all go to the weight room and look at each other's eyes and say, we led the league in rushing. We did. We opened up holes, and Josh, there weren't holes at times, and Josh Jacobs hit the holes. But they should feel good about that. And now if they can be coached up to be better pass protectors, it's an offensive line that could be rock solid. Like my tweet said about Jimmy G, rock solid quarterback. Not talking elite. I'm talking rock solid because you got Devontae and Josh Jacobs who are elite. And having two elite players like this should keep you on the field a little bit more. 702-365-9200. Keep it going today. You know, I pressured everybody or at least gave a call to action to put together some great calls today on the offense, and we've gotten it. So I really appreciate that. With the Final Four coming up, baseball's opening day. Rob Dibble is going to join us. He won a World Series. He was the National League Championship Series MVP. He's a great player, one of the Nasty Boys, two-time All-Star. I talk to him every year right before opening day. He's going to join us coming up here in the next 10 or 15 minutes. So stick around for that as we continue on. Quick reminder, another great place to go. 
The Raiders Tavern and Grill inside M Resort Spawn Casino. I saw some cheeseburger, bacon burger thing they were putting out there. Man, Damon, I go with wings. When I go there, I like to get wings with a specific sauce. I like it hot. I don't like it medium. I went to Geneseo in upstate New York, not too far from Buffalo in the Anchor Bar. I have a specific request when I go to the Raiders Tavern and Grill. I like my wings, and I like them hot. Because if you get a medium, not, not good enough, man. Hot. Hot wings, Raiders Tavern and Grill. Are you a wings guy? I'm a wings guy, JT, and I'm also hot. Sometimes I go Good. to a place and I say, the hottest you can make them. You've e- never been more right in your career. Every, <laughs> no, every Thank you. I haven't been often, right often. But every man should give up their man card if they don't use blue cheese. I mean, the ranch, I'm, I apologize. I just You should give up your man card. Now, if you're a man and you went to Taylor Swift, I don't have a problem with that if you took your daughters. Uh, my friends were asking me, my wife keeps on her Instagram. She, Taylor Swift changed her life. She went to the original Farm Aid, greatest concert lineup of all time. She's been to 15 Rolling Stones concerts with me, and she's a Swifty. And she went there, and she said, uh, would I want to go next time she comes around? No, I don't. I have my man card. See, let me show you right here in my wallet. Here's my man card. But all the dads who took their daughters there, you're the real man. There were a lot of Swifties there with their dads who did a great job there. How about the concerts at Allegiant Stadium? Red Hot Chili Peppers this weekend? Man, I feel like raising my hand. I mean, get one of the listeners to bring me, man. That's, you know, I'll, I'll take them to the torch. I'll buy them their beer. We can rock out to the Red Hot Chili Peppers here. Going to be a good weekend here in town. We just need the temperature to get to about 10 or 15 degrees, a little bit higher. If we can do that, then Vegas will be here. Because once it gets hot, it doesn't turn back. But one of my best friends called me from L.A. this morning and said it's brutal. It's raining again. Another atmospheric river's coming. Oh, and I can't forget, my wife loves the Remy Martin espresso martini. Oh, her and the Swifties had a few of those at my house for the pre-party. The Remy Martin espresso martini. Team up for excellence. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by Resorts World Las Vegas, the newest property on the Strip. JT, back with you. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Lamar Jackson is, quote, frustrated by injury questions. He says, let's get real. Uh, This is getting interesting now. I don't think it's fair to Lamar Jackson that he's not getting a qualifying offer. It's not fair to him. I'm not saying it's not reality. Reality is no owner wants to pay $240 million guaranteed. I get that. They don't want to do that. But he said, quote, let's get real. I'd rather have a 100% PCL than go out there and play horrible, forcing myself to put my guys in a bad situation. Now, that's selfish to me. He tweeted that last night. And he pushed back because Arthur Blank, the owner of the Atlanta Falcons, was interested in Deshaun Watson, And when asked about Lamar Jackson, he wasn't as interested because of the injuries and durability. On Tuesday, Atlanta Falcons owner Arthur Blank said there's some questions about Jackson's durability. Quote, looking at it objectively, there's some concern about whether or not he can play his style of game for how long that could last. He told reporters of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, I'm not sure. He's only 26, hopefully a long time for his benefit or anybody that he signed with, but he missed five to six games each of the last two years. This is not like baseball and basketball where you're playing 82 or 182 or whatever baseball is now. That's a very important point, what Arthur Blank said. It's similar to Darren Waller. Very similar. Durability. How many games can you play? 
How many did you miss? We know Darren Wall is a great player. No debate. Pro bowler. Phenomenal. But if you're not available, then your contract doesn't live up to the contract you got because you weren't available to play. Now, I hope Darren Waller plays 17 games for the Giants. But here's an owner going on the record questioning Lamar Jackson. And the reason why Lamar's really upset is Deshaun Watson's missed a lot of games. He had lewd and crude behavior. He missed games to injury. And that owner of the Falcons wanted him and was in the market until it got too rich and went to $240 million. What I think that Lamar Jackson should get, and I've been saying it on my national show at night, every night. It's a big topic nationally. It's not a huge topic here locally on Raiders, Raiders Radio. Is that this guy should get an offer or two. Fair offer. And a fair offer in his marketplace is probably $200 million because they're going to give Joe Burrow $300 million, Okay? And they're going to give Justin Herbert maybe $400 million. That's going to be the market. So Lamar Jackson knows whatever contract he signs over the next five years, even before he signs it, he's not going to be higher paid than Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. And then two great quarterbacks are going to come flying behind him who don't have MVPs, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. So he's kind of upset about this. The timing of this is brutal for him. He's on the wrong side of the calendar, the wrong side of the deal. 702-365-9200 as we continue on. I would have loved to have seen him been the quarterback of the Raiders. But if the Raiders were able to put together a deal, and it was a good deal for Mark Davis, a fair amount, say $160, $170 million, then the Ravens would just match it. So it's not worth it. A lot of teams aren't going to give him a qualifying offer because they know Baltimore is just going to go out there and match it. And why do all that work if you're another team knowing Baltimore is going to say, thank you for the offer, thank you for that, we're just going to match it, and you're still going to be in a position where you don't have a quarterback. I feel for Lamar Jackson. I think he's a hell of a player. He's a generational talent. And when you're that good, you should at least be able to get a fair offer. You should get a fair offer every time. Gangster Raider checking in on the flagship of the Silver and Black. ahead. Hey, JT. And I want to say um, I'm cautiously optimistic about the offense as well. I think trading Waller was the only mistake so far, and I think that might come back um, and bite us. But everything else is good, especially if we can get a long-term deal with Jacobs. You know what I mean? Because I think if he's happy and, um, you know, know he's going to be in Vegas for a while, we're going to get the best out of him. And along with him, along with um, Devontae, and um, even though Hunter, you know, he wasn't unavailable last year, and he directly was a cause for us losing the Cardinals game, even if he can stay healthy and be consistent and be like a Welker, a Wes Welker, mm-hmm. or the other Amendola was mm-hmm. for um, for um, McDaniels was in New England, then I think that'll be a good look. You know what I mean? And also, I, 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 I like one. I forget the caller that called like about about two or three callers before me. I agree with him. You know what I'm saying? Because I think you know we with the improvement, we should have an improvement in quarterback play because he knows the system. He's familiar with um, McDaniels. And they have a rapport, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So just that alone should prevent us from blowing leads and being on the wrong page yeah. or being whatever disconnect they had, you know, Carr and um and McDaniels. That 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 alone should at least have us win at least four more games. You know what I'm saying? So from six plus four, that's at least ten wins. You know what I mean? And also everybody that's talking about Garoppolo's history, I need you to do a deep dive for me, J T because I mean injury history, because before he went to Frisco I don't remember him being injured like that. Mm-hmm. And also, it seemed like a lot of injuries happened with the San Francisco 49ers. Even yeah. Brock Purdy got hurt. 
You know what I'm saying? So they were, if it wasn't for one of the um, other quarterbacks being healthy, they would have been down to their fourth-string quarterback. You know what I mean? So I want you to do a deep dive yeah. if you can and check out all the injuries as, as compared to the other teams in the NFL with the San Francisco 49ers. I think it's a San Francisco problem, not a Garoppolo problem. I think once we get him in our system with the facilities that we have and with the trainers that we yeah. have, I don't think he will be as injury-prone or injured. You know what I'm saying? Because mm. I don't know if it's the turf in Frisco or what, but it seems like they have a lot more injuries than other teams. So if you can, get your okay. staff to do a deep dive and see if I'm right about that. Appreciate Go Raiders. It. Appreciate it. And we have a lot of injuries here too. So, again, guys get hurt. It could be on the road. It could be home. It could be training. It could be the offseason. Guys get hurt. So the deep dive, just stay healthy. I don't think it's a San Francisco thing. I think guys get hurt all around the league. Most of these doctors and trainers do a really good job. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, fortunately, is at 100% now. Tom Belisero, breaking news. Offensive lineman Alex Barr is signing back to the Raiders on a one-year deal. A 14-game starter, capable of playing inside and out on the offensive line. So Alec Barr is back on a one-year deal. Give me my pen. I'll write that into my depth chart. But he's here. Rob Dibble, what a career he had. A two-time All-Star, a World Series champ in 1990. He was the NLCS MVP in 1990 also. And I am thrilled to welcome him back on the radio before opening day. The nasty boy. Dibs, good to talk to you, man. I miss you. How are you? Rick, thanks for having me on, buddy. I just thought of you going into this interview because I, today I watched the Reggie Jackson brand-new documentary on Prime, and it opened up. I don't want to ruin it for everybody. Reggie's on a cell phone call with Pete Rose, and Reggie's sitting outside of his house with all of his Rolls Royces and cars that he collected talking to Pete. And you know both these guys. How great is it for you to be a world champion, an all-star, and be in that fraternity with all these great living legends? Well, I I mean, it's been an honor to interview Reggie many times. He's a great guy. Uh, I idolized him growing up. Then Pete Rose, obviously, was my first manager in the major leagues. Um, and, and we've been friends ever since. So, I, I mean, it's just, it's a very small fraternity, a little bit more than 20,000 guys, and uh, they know how hard it is to make it. And I think that, uh, that that's why it's so enjoyable when you make it to the major leagues because the odds are stacked so far against you that when you just finally make it, um, it you know, it's such a thrill because you never, you never thought it would happen to you. Absolutely. What did you think of the World Baseball Classic, especially the Otani showdown against Trout? Overall, the love of the game and so many great players who decided to participate in the Classic. I love it. I, I love it. That's the way baseball is supposed to be played. Not not with pitch clocks, not with bigger bases and, and uh, bells and whistles. So, uh, you know, and, and fans that don't really like the game want to see it in two hours. A real fan that takes their family, knows they're going to drop a lot of money, um, like myself included. Like, my wife's a huge Red Sox fan, but you know what? Uh, she knows my daughter likes Aaron Judge. I have a 12-year-old. And uh, last year, we, we went to Paul O'Neill Day. And so she was like, listen, if it, and, and I unfortunately have to work after the Yankees because that's one of the, the uh, teams we carry on our network uh, and, and uh, you know, like the Giants and some of the other local so anyway, I can't go to the opening day, but she was still willing to go to Yankee Stadium for opening day for a family outing. But she knows, you know, it's, it, you're going to drop 500 to to 1000 dollars She doesn't care if it's three and a half hours. She doesn't care if it's four hours. She's a baseball fan. She was raised by Red Sox fans. Her, her late father, my father-in-law, God love him, loved his Red Sox. He loved them so much he wanted to watch every Yankee loss. 
So he would watch the Yankee games and make sure they lost. That's how big a Red Sox fan he is. So true fans don't care about time limits. They don't care about any of that garbage. They just want to see good product and good baseball. And so the World Baseball Classic brick was amazing. Um, you know, not just that showdown. I mean, how, how well Mexico played, how well Great Britain played. You know, some of these teams that, that we've never even heard of. Uh, Croatia. You know, these guys are lawyers and, and school teachers and stuff. They're not professional baseball players. They just love the game. So uh, if we had a commissioner that loved the game that much, he wouldn't be thinking of all the negative things about the game. Rob Dibble joins us. The rule changes I want to get into again. What I think's happening, and you just summed it up beautifully, I've been saying for a long period of time, I think that Rob Manford is afraid of the game. He doesn't want to lose the game to the younger demographic because he knows he can see the numbers. He knows the attention span of youngsters who are on their phones and they want their highlights in two minutes and their updates in a minute and a half. And he's worried about them where he shouldn't be worried about them. He should find a way to sell the stars more and get those young fans into the ballpark, not looking at their phone and their watch. So I'm having a tough time with this, Rob, because every year the posy rule, you don't run into the catcher. Okay, now you can't run into second base. We're going to make the bases bigger. We're going to put a pitch clock. Then we're going to put a runner on second. They dropped that into us knowing they were going to do it long term. Now it's here to stay. I just think, Rob, you cover this as a former player. There's been so many rule changes so quickly over the last couple of years and the concern for the diehard fans that don't want to see any more. Well, and the concern for the younger generation, Brick, if you don't know, I have seven AAU travel teams from 8 to 18. And so I, I go down to Ripken every year, and I, I go all over the, the Northeast. We play in the East Shore League here in Connecticut. And, uh, you, you know, our, our kids probably play 70 games a year, and they love the game. And, you know, most of my players, I'm, I'm coaching 17U and 14U. Uh, my 14U kids play middle school ball and travel ball. So, you know, Rob Manfred doesn't know these kids love the game the way they do. They play MLB the show. Now, they don't know I played in the big leagues. They just know I'm on the video game. So he might, he might want to take their pulse because they love the WBC. They love the modern players. Uh, they, they love the Julio Rodriguez's and guys like that, uh, Shohei Otani. They want to be them, just like I wanted to be Reggie Jackson when I was growing up. And so, you know, if, if he would listen to these kids, they don't need bells and whistles. They, they just need more of what they see. And, uh, you know, these, these kids can't get enough. So they, they, they have the best equipment. They have the best uh, technology, the track man. Uh, they don't need the driveline training. They don't need that garbage. But they want to see exit velocity. They want to see uh, – I have a rap soda machine. They want to see how they can, uh, you know, make their pitches and, and how I can customize their pitches and things like that. So that they know technology, and these, these dinosaurs that run baseball do not. That's the difference, Brick, that these kids know everything about baseball. They know every statistic about baseball. They know the, uh, you know, Trevor Bowers, curveball, RPMs. They know all of that stuff. So, you know, launch angle, all of that stuff. So they know all of this stuff. So, so to say that you need a pitch clock to speed up the game, how about you get rid of two and a half minutes of commercials in between every three outs? Yeah. See, until you do that, you're still going to get 40 minutes of dead time, and that has nothing to do with baseball. So, yeah, I like cleaning up the at-bats, cleaning up. You know, I was watching Joe Kelly, and I was watching the White Sox, and they went through Joe Kelly 29 seconds in between pitches. You don't need to do that. That's, that's Steve Traxel stuff. So you you got you to gotta speed up the pitches a little bit because I'm teaching my younger pitchers 
work quickly so the defense is involved in the game. They won't make errors behind you if they're involved in the game. It's, it's a process. So I think Rob Manfred was always the last guy picked in kickball. And so he's bitter about that. But the game is fine. The bigger bases are going to be great. Steal more bases. I'm not seeing it in spring training. I'm seeing 18 stolen bases by one team. I'm seeing 21 by another. I'm still seeing half of the teams hitting below 250. So, I, you know, all this garbage that they're saying, well, the stats are here and the stats are – I, I could go through every one of them. I could go through them right now. The, the Cubs are hitting 240 on the spring. The Red Sox are hitting 244. The Indians are hitting 247. So some of these teams that's, that are supposed to be best teams in their division are still doing the same stuff they did last year, striking out too much, not putting the ball in play, and that's with infielders uh, on both sides of the, the infield. So, I, you know, to me, you could put all the bells and whistles in there until the, until the players change their bad habits, they're, they're going to still do the same stuff. Rob Dibble is our guest, World Series champ of the 1990 NLCS MVP. I, I've never asked you this. I'm in Vegas. You know where Bryce Harper came from here and how big of a yeah, legend and I, he and was. And I'll tell you what, just... I coached against him because I coached out in L.A. And I, and I coached for Oaks Christian. So I, I actually coached against a couple teams he played on. So, okay, yeah, so I, the... I, I know him really well. So i got to ask you this. How does a kid, and you're coaching these great kids at a young age, how do you get a kid not to burn out? Because I don't know how you can become an MLB major leaguer unless you're elite at 12, elite at 16, unbelievable at 19, and then you go to the show, and then I hear other people saying, hey, my kid didn't pick up a baseball until he was 14, and he played three or four different sports, and then he finally came home, and at 18, he had a growth spurt. Next thing you know, he's getting drafted into Major League Baseball. How do you save these kids, Rob, from burnout at a young age with all the different leagues they're playing in? It's a, it's a great question, and I force a lot of my players to play two and three sports. Um, I had the pleasure of coaching Wayne Gretzky's kid, Trevor Gretzky, for a couple of years at Oaks Christian out in L.A. Um, it, you know, the thing, Brick, is, is that these kids love it that much, but you have to uh, protect them because one thing I've learned the last 25 years, and now one of my biggest sponsors on my local radio show, is an orthopedic surgery place called the Bone and Joint Institute here on the East Coast. And, they, you know, I've learned about growth plates. I've learned about, you know, and a lot of the pitching stuff they have in effect is good. But the kids can still hit. They can still run. Um, Leo Mazzoni was a big proponent in throwing every day. I just, I don't like five games in a weekend. I, I don't like the showcases where you're trying to throw 100 when you're 14. You know, it, it's a progression. I've seen my kids that I've had for four years now go from 14 to 18 Go from 72 miles an hour to 92 miles an hour. It's a process. I have a kid I coached out at Oaks Christian, uh, you know, Phil Bickford. And that, that kid did the same thing. From like 16, 17, 18, he gained 10 mile an hour in his basketball. So you can play and not get hurt. If you watch the AAU girls, though, in basketball, you're seeing the Paige Beckers and uh, some of these other girls, you know, become elite by 14. But now they're starting to break down because of exactly what you said because they play too much. So I think there, there's got to be a happy medium in there. But, you know, making more bells and whistles in, in the major leagues is not going to help a 12-year-old, and it's not going to help a 14- or a 15- or 16-year-old. But, you know, trying to coach them properly, taking them to the Ripken, uh, you know, baseball down in Maryland, which we do every year, and, and have them talk to parents about, listen, your kid is not Mike Trout. So don't, don't get down on him like if he doesn't play like Mike Trout. 
So that's the kind of stuff, the, the reality check that the Billy Ripkins and the Cal Ripkins that, that tell people, Brick, that's the beauty of coaching AAU, that if you can come across these people that really love the game and love the kids, um, there, there's a compromise somewhere in the middle. Rob Dibble, last one, Rob, if you were putting down a futures ticket for the World Series, who are you going with? Astros back-to-back, Yankees with Judge coming in. Is there a team there, the Padres, with all the money they're spending? Who do you like coming into the season? Give us a couple teams. I like the Seattle Mariners and the Mets, Brick, and that's only wow. based on health. If Verlander and Scherzer can stay healthy, um, I think they have enough offensively that they can compete. I love the Phillies. The fact that Harper might be fine by May is huge, but I think the Mariners don't sleep on the Mariners. I think they have a great young team, great coaching staff, and uh, I, I think the Astros right now, if you watched uh, you know, Jordan Alvarez get hurt, Altuve's hurt, uh, they've lost a few of their, their star players to free agency, uh, Carlos Correa and Verlander. So uh, that's a totally different team this year. Great talking to you. It's always a great conversation. All the best to your family, Rob. Thanks for coming on with me. Thanks, Brick. Take care, buddy. You too. Rob Dibble. Wow. How good is that? Uh, Rob is the type of guy I can talk to about baseball because we don't have to talk about everything. We can talk about kids, travel ball, getting kids to play more, taking the pressure off them. I use those interviews to remind everybody that if I could ever in my life in sports, and I know we got to go, Demond, I'll get him right back, but this is important. This will connect with someone, one listener. I only care if it connects with one listener. If I could get one do-over in life, it would be being a baseball parent. And I wasn't a sideline Saddam. I wasn't throwing punches and yelling and yelling at coaches. I was never that guy. I was always working, so when I could coach, I, I managed teams. I was using an assistant dad who would help out either way. But if I could have done it all over again, I would have been the dad with my chair and my uh, seeds, my sunflower seeds, and I would have went down the sideline, planted my chair, and just encouraged my kids to go out and have fun. Didn't micromanage it, and I didn't do it a lot, but I could never get that back. And if you got a kid playing club ball or baseball, six, seven, eight years old, don't ruin it by the time they're 13 or 14. They're sick of you. They don't want to hear anything you say. They tune you out, and then they leave the sport sooner than later. My sons were lucky enough to play right up until high school. They played pretty well in Little League their whole life. But I wish if I could go back, all those conversations I had with my wife at midnight, man, I wish I could get all those conversations and throw them out and get sleep. Just enjoy it. Let your kids play. Let your kids play. If you're not going to be the manager, encourage the manager. Be quiet. Just sit on the sidelines. And let the kids have fun. It's about having fun at that age because you're only a kid for so long. We'll wrap it up on the other side, tell you what we got lined up for tomorrow. And uh, big shows the rest of the week here. A couple of good guests lined up. And what happened to the Golden Knights last night? Ooh. Welcome back to the JT The Brick Show, brought to you by the Botanist Gin, the number one fastest growing brand. Step up your cocktail game with the Botanist Gin. The applause you hear from the group wearing orange and blue here at T-Mobile Arena with five seconds left. Oilers fans have had plenty to cheer about. Shot comes in on Skinner, who makes the save at the horn. And this game is over. Edmonton 7, Vegas 4. Ouch, that's Dan Duva on the call. It's a tough loss. I was there when Edmonton beat VGK earlier this year. They got fans. Their fans traveled to Vegas. JT, back with you. want to remind everybody, there's a Vegas Golden Knight watch party tomorrow night. And it's going to be a big one. And it's right in my neighborhood. It's my hometown bar where I go to. So it's the SG Bar. 
the location at 215 in Flamingo. I often mention this bar because it's a $3 Uber from the bar to my house. Three bucks. And uh, don't ever drink and drive. I never drink and drive. So this is my hometown bar, the SG bar, where I watch games with my buddies. And check this out. If you arrive early, join everyone for a half-off drinks during happy hour from 5 to 7. And also, free Jameson shots for every Vegas Golden Knight goal. How about that for a promotion there? So a VGK watch party, there's going to be a lot of fans who show up there. Come and meet Chance and the Vegas Vivas. Enjoy $5 Jack Daniels shots and cocktails, $11 Coors Light and Miller Light pitchers, and $13 Blue Moon pitchers. Fantastic. And they have the corned beef, Reuben, my favorite. So SG Bar right at the top of 215 and Flamingo for the VGK watch party. I might slide by for that. Right there, and I'll even have my wife pick me up on the way back. That sounds like one hell of a deal. PTs, they fuel the monologue, and they wrap up the show today. Our proud partner. Thanks, Damon. Thanks for stepping in for Bobby. Getting my voice back slowly, and we got a big show tomorrow. Vinny Bonsignor will join us, along with a couple other Raider insiders. Thanks for being respectful today with your phone calls and tweets on the Raiders' offense. I think the offense is pretty damn good. Could it get better? Sure it can. Sure it can, but the defense is a priority. And from here on out, the rest of next month, all of April, we'll be breaking down the mock drafts and trying to figure out what the Raiders do as they enter the biggest draft since they've been in Las Vegas, and they need to get it right. Have a great night, everybody. I always appreciate you listening. Thank you very much.